It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question. You can email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, Today is Fire Away Friday, but it's a different Fire Away Friday. Uh, We're going to take and focus on questions from both Facebook and emails today. And so um, if you have a question that you may not be able to get in on the program, uh, go ahead and send that to us at word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net, and you may hear your question being answered in the near future. Now, it's my privilege to be in studio today with Brother Bert Harper and with Dr. Alex McFarland. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon, Jim. It's good to be with you. Hello, brothers. Well, we have a a compilation of questions today. Uh, Alex gets all kinds of questions just to Alex, and then he shares them with us. And we get questions, and he gets the questions, too, from wordatafr.net. I want to make sure Bert gets those, I get those, uh, Alex gets those, and Devin gets those. And so when you send us a question, somebody's going to see it. And sometimes you may get an immediate response. Other times it may be a bit of a delayed response because some thought is required. And sometimes we save them for this program. So if you wonder where your fa- Facebook and email questions go, uh, they come to us and, and we look at them there. They're not up in the air swirling around. They, are they have landed, right? Yes, sir. They, okay. they, they, they do get to us eventually. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so one of the questions I want to start with today, and we have several. Um, the first one that I'd like to start with is from a veteran. We don't normally get into political questions unless they cross cultural issues and moral issues. And so this is one of those that does that. And I want our listeners to know that with our answers, we're not talking about the parties as much as we're talking about the policies. And so that's where this question kind of comes from. And he says, I'm a Christian and a veteran, served in the Marine Corps for 22 years. I've been listening to your show. Like many Christians, I cannot vote Democrat because of the issue of abortion and Marxism. But what about Christians who who are voting Democrat? Just like in the Civil War, there were Christians on both sides. I haven't heard anyone discuss this. Christians on both sides are saved. Christians on both sides will go to heaven. Why aren't Christians in unity with who should be president? So, Bert, Alex... Which one of you guys would like to start? I, I usually give a shorter answer, and uh-huh. Alex fills in all of my uh, <laughs> the places I drop. So let's do it that way. I all of us have blind spots. I don't care who you are as a believer in Christ. We're constantly growing in our faith. We've not arrived. That also comes into the area of moral and issues such as that. Um, I remember hearing Dr. James Dobson, who was saved and strong, and about how he, in his early years, because of his academics and connected kind of with the medical field, although he wasn't a psychiatrist, he was a psychologist, but yet the medical field is, is, is a little bit involved in that with the mind. He, in his early years, 
he talked about that issue and him trying to come to uh, a knowledge of abortion, yes or no, being wrong. And he came out solid because he said, I started looking at the scriptures and the scriptures became paramount in the decisions I make. Alex and Jim, I'm afraid sometimes scriptures do not become paramount in a Christian's response on moral issues that come to the political realm. Uh, You're talking about political issues. When those political issues invade our territory, it's our obligation to speak. Mm -hmm. When it's for life, uh, family, marriage, freedom, that's our area to speak. And it's not that we're entering their territory. They've entered our territory and uh, so we need, but I think a lot of it is not taking scripture as mm-hmm. I get my answers longer than I thought it was going to be. No, you're fine. Uh, and not not taking scriptures as they should and making them paramount. Now, Alex, you can fill it in from there, brother. Well, you know, there's lack of information, there's misinformation, and then sometimes there's rejection of information. And I think for a lot of Christians in America, the the overlap between my Christian responsibility and my citizenship maybe is just coming clear. Now, you know, I first learned of David Barton in the early 90s and Chuck Colson and James Dobson. And so I kind of and and I was getting the AFA newsletter, you know, probably by 1990 or 91. So I've kind of been dialed into my Christian walk and my cultural responsibility for a long, long time. But don't you think for a lot of Christians, it's just now maybe getting on the radar screen? So the question might be, and, uh, you know, even in the asking of this question, I, I, I pray nobody's offended, but, you know, we're talking about abortion, gay marriage, our relationship with the nation of Israel, religious freedom, so many things. And I've gotten this question. How can people be a born-again Christian and yet vote Democrat? Um, And let me just say this. It's only in recent years that the, the, the Democratic drift toward liberalism, now full-blown socialism and, you know, anarchy and, I mean, I think that the drift of the Democrat Party into positions and policies that are more and more anti-biblical, it's just becoming graphically clear for a lot of people in recent years. So I do think there's a lot of born-again people. They love the Lord. They're on their way to heaven. They have, and some, I think, still are voting Democrat. Some, it's ignorance. They just don't know. And others, maybe they've been told by a minister that— you know, uh, politics and religion are, you know, irrevocably separate, which I disagree with. But then for some, and yesterday we had, I had a caller who is having a real issue with a close friend right now because this friend um, is pro-gay and claims to be a Christian. And the the caller, I mean, the listener who called me said, um, I, I said, but what about the Bible? And the, the friend said, well, times change, and not all of the Bible is currently relevant. And see, mm-hmm. that, what you said, Bert, is an issue of scriptural authority. So let me say this, and I'll throw back to Jim and Bert. I believe Jesus was right when he said, 
heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Matthew 24, 35. My point being, folks, the scriptures never run out of date. And for that reason, in every generation, uh, as, a, as a person, as a citizen, as a voter, the Bible, the Word of God, must always be our guidebook. Well, Alex, that you know, when you're talking that, of course, the Bible needs to be our our playbook for sure. You know, that's where we get our answers from. I while while you were talking, I pulled up and and Bert, while you were talking as well, I pulled up the Democratic platform. You know, some of the things that are listed in there. God's no longer in the platform of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Here are the things that are. And it's under the line of healing the soul of America. That sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. But here's what they plan or their plans are for healing the soul of America. Protecting American civil rights. Achieving racial justice and equity. Protecting women's rights. Protecting LGBTQ plus rights protecting disability rights, honoring indigenous tribal nations, ending violence against women, ending the epidemic of gun violence, supporting faith and service, supporting freedom, uh, press freedom, pardon me, not freedom of speech per se, but specifically the freedom of the press. And so I think when you look at that, and, and I on another program, I'll try and pull up the Republican Party's take on this. Uh, but just seeing that under the healing the soul of America, it makes it sound lofty and noble. But when you dig into it, what they're simply doing is trying to protect the carnality of man and Amen. making sure that man has You're the right. rights to sin. <clears throat> and again... We've said this before on this program. Just because it's legal doesn't make it moral. You know what? What I, I'm saying this for all those that are liberal. When I say liberal, I'm not talking about liberal in love and liberal in giving. I'm talking about in their theology and political thought, governmental thought. Notice how they have to hide language much, change meanings of words mm-hmm. so much. And uh, that's a hint. Uh, about anyone uh, when they the healing you know mm-hmm. that's that's a I'm going to just say it that is a facade of of mm-hmm. really what it's all about yeah and Jim I, I'm so glad you said that and and folks um, you know here's the thing uh, America was not founded as a country where anybody can do anything anytime with no repercussions I mean we were absolutely founded on the Judeo-Christian moral code. And that, that's why, you know, when you hear things like um, defending women's rights, well, that doesn't mean the right to murder a baby. Right. Uh, that with, with, with liberty or rights comes responsibilities. And so um, I, I would say this, and, and I'll throw back to you guys, but I think liberalism slash progressivism the, the current positions of the Democrat Party, among other things, and there are many problems, but one of the things that they don't acknowledge is, is the human sin nature, that 
um, we have to, you know, as the founders talked about, we need restraint. And, um, you know, Adam said, you know, we've staked the whole future of the nation, not on government, but on the power of each of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Mm. And so um, we need God and morality or we're going to descend further into anarchy. Amen. Well, um, guys, I think that was a great answer for that question. Bert, did you have a closing thought? I I would just say this. I go back to Phil Robertson. I quote him all the time. I think I quote him more than a theologian. Vote godly. And and, and that's the whole idea. Vote God. And where do you find godliness? In the Word of God. Mm -hmm. That's where you find it. What does God's Word say? And uh, that should be the Christians. that, That should be our model. Absolutely. Okay, so we move from from somewhat of a political question, uh, and again, we don't do politics often on this show, but when we are talking about the rights of life and, and the rights to be a Christian in this country and be able to worship according to our First Amendment rights and things, then we do get into that. And so, uh, so that's one of those we don't apologize for. All right, so this is a question that we get from time to time. And it's, it's a, we think it's a simple question because we've answered it so many times. But for a lot of people, it really is a challenging question. So, in fact, uh, a sub-question to this one I'll, I'll throw in as, as well. How should I choose a Bible translation, and which Bible translation is best? And then, Alex, as a caveat for you, I'm going to include uh, what kind of Bible should I get for a 15-year-old child? Bert, not that you wouldn't know that, but Alex goes that's and... That's his area of expertise. That's right. All right, so we'll get to that answer as Exploring the Word continues with a special Fire Away Friday bringing your questions from Facebook and from the email at word at AFR.net. We'll continue straight ahead on AFR. Like the Apostle John, I want to be the one whom Jesus loved. And I know that we are, but I think of the picture of of the Lord's Supper and and the disciple whom Jesus loved being there next to him at the table. I I don't know how I'm going to get there. I know there's not supposed to be any envy or anything in heaven, but... um, you know, I may have to throat punch somebody, and that sounds <laughs> awful to get next to Jesus, doesn't yeah. it? When, when uh, we hear that and talk about, you know, sitting next to the table with Jesus mm-hmm. and him being the John being the apostle that Jesus loved, you know why he loved him so much, don't you? Because he was so unlovable. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. that, I, I say that truthfully because, you remember, we think of John the love, but he was one of the sons of thunder. That's he right. Was, he was one of the guys that said, now, when you come into your kingdom, you know where we want to sit. You know? And didn't God do a transition work in John's life to become that greedy little guy to become the loving apostle? God yeah. changes lives, guys. Sure does. Sure, pardon me. Sure did and sure does. Amen. So, all right. So back to our question, and this one, this this one is one that we had talked about just before the break, and so um, it's how should I choose a Bible translation 
which Bible translation is best. And uh, another listener asked about one for a 15-year-old. And so we can kind of combine that, I think. Brother Alex? Well, great question. Great question. Um, Let me say this. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and I think there are compelling lines of evidence for that. And, uh, you know, Psalm 119 is a a psalm that we teach from uh, quite a lot, you know, uh, verse uh, Psalm 119, 140, your word is pure, therefore your servant loves it. And uh, John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. Now, that being said, let, let me just say this. Regarding Bible translations, there are, there are translations today uh, because of, I would say, two things. One, an approach to translating, which is kind of a literal uh, sometimes called dynamic equivalent uh, approach to translation. And then there's another approach to translation that's really more of a paraphrase. The other reason, okay, the approach to translation, the, the lines of manuscripts, and, and we don't talk about this a whole lot, but there there is uh, an Antioch-Syria uh grouping of manuscripts of the New Testament, and there's an Alexandria-Egypt grouping of manuscripts. So some, uh, and and by the way, let me just say this, and I'm kind of getting in the weeds here, the Alexandrian grouping of New Testament manuscripts, there's very few, only about 45 manuscripts. The uh, Antioch-Syria textual family is more like 5,200 manuscripts. Now, here's a, another uh, little caveat that within, uh, they, they look at the ages of the manuscripts. Now, the bottom line, I, I would say this, the Antioch manuscripts are not as old as the Alexandrian. The Alexandrian has the older manuscripts, uh, but much fewer, and the Antioch are newer, but much more numerous. Now, out of this, folks, here's the thing. We know what the original said, and and I'll just I'll just put it this way: you've got the uh, very literal translations of like the King James, New King James, New American Standard that are more Alexandrian in their text. We've got the paraphrase types of versions like the Living Bible, uh, today's English version, the Message, and they are more generally lean on the the Antioch manuscripts. All that being said, it's easier for me to tell you the Bibles to stay away from than the Bibles that are really good. One that we unequivocally urge, don't read it, don't get it, avoid it, and that's called the New World Translation. Mm -hmm. Um, That's published by the Watchtower. It purposely tries to... um, uh, you know, deny the deity of Jesus. Another that I would uh, warn against came out a few years ago, and it was called the TNIV, uh, and it, it really was kind of a gender-neutral Bible that was based on a philosophy called egalitarianism that not only wants to deny the distinctions between male and female, but um, even really, I, th- I would say the TNIV potentially opens the door to the the uh, uh, affirmation of homosexuality. So some of the Bibles that you're very likely to see, King James, New King James, NASB, 
the Amplified Bible, the Holman Christian Standard, Preach the ESV. These are all good. Okay. When you said Amplified, uh, Jim just got up and did a dance, said That's amen. Right. Uh, let me let me share this with you. Any, Amplified any, Bible is good. It is. Any of the modern translations that you have, you're just talking about the Alexandria Antioch. What they'll do, though, they will go at the bottom. If you'll follow the notes, there'll be like a little asterisk or an A or a B and go down to the bottom. And it will fill you in on what the other manuscripts, and they're not a lot of difference. We don't have the originals. They're all copies of the original. And some of them are older, some of them are newer. And the idea is the older it is, the more accurate it would be. But I, I just want to share with you, there's not a lot of difference. And every once in a while, there'll be a word left out, and but it doesn't change anything. But in the more modern translations, there'll be a little asterisk or a letter there, and you go down to the bottom, and it'll say something about not in this manuscript, or it says this, and it will, and you can have confidence in that. I, I do want to give a shout out for one or two that I think is very good. I think the ESV is good, mm-hmm. and the fifteen-year-old. Yeah. This is what I recommend, and I know Alex was was asked that question, but I, I do think the English Standard Version is quality. It, it seems accurate to me. and That's I'm, Josh McDowell's favorite. Okay, and I love the New King James. And the reason I love it, guys, I'm old enough to have done all my memorization in the King James Version. That's what I did. And I memorized a lot of scriptures in my high school and college years. But I, I never could get my tongue around the the river floweth downeth the hill. You know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to mock King James, but I never could <laughs> I get my tongue around older English, you know? Right. And when the new King James came along, it, it really fixed me that I could use runs down the hill rather than runneth, and it didn't change a lot. Right. Because if you memorize something, uh, it's in your brain, and then when you're reading it to preach from, in my little brain there was a battle. Which one am I going to use, what I'm memorized or what I'm reading? And the new King James, is everybody knows I use that. I do love it. Don't get me wrong, but I use it because basically because of uh, I think brain issues on Bert Harper's part. <laughs> I understand mine too. All right, so when I have to say this, and folks, you know I love Bert Harper. I love him deeply, respect him, and honor him. He's a great guy. But every time he says, "I'm old enough to remember when," <laughs> all I can do is picture Bert with a big old backpack or duffel bag on his back and he's reaching back pulling the scrolls for Matthew <laughs> another scroll for Mark another scroll for Amen, Luke man. and yeah. so uh, it, it was that, neat when the book came along and you didn't have to read it from scroll that's that right really helped me I thought it might uh, one Bible that I like and and you guys have covered a tremendous amount of them and Alex you may have mentioned this one and I missed it but one of the ones that I really enjoy other than the amplified is the uh, New Living Testament yes. uh, New New Living Testament. NLT. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a really good study Bible. In fact, uh, coming up in the near future, we're going to have some uh, digital and hardback uh, NLTs to give away, but it has a digital platform with it where you scan the page and it opens up a bunch of notes. Jim showed this to me and I said, technology is good. That's right. <laughs> and it so, um, and, and one other thing I'd strongly recommend when you're studying is if you have a translation and you want to see 
you know, how close it is or, or the different things. And I know a lot of folks get tore up about this. But if you're studying and you have a parallel Bible, that also helps. Yes. And one of the parallel Bibles that I have found in the past that helped me a lot was the one that had the King James, New King James, and the old NIV. And mm-hmm. that way you could kind of look at across the, and, and by that, I mean, that's all in one Bible. Yeah, I got um, one, and there's one added to that. I got four, the Amplified. Right. So I've got the King James, Amplified, New King James, and and what did the other not say? Whatever. NIV? Other, yeah, the NIV. Okay. Um, and so, and, and the reason we say the old NIV is because just of what, just because of what Alex said a moment ago. Yeah. All well, right, let Alex. Me throw one th- let, let me throw one thought in very quickly. Sure. Um, every now and then, when we talk about the fact that we don't have the original copy, sometimes you'll hear the word autographa. In other words, Paul's letter to the Romans, as far as we know, the original copy that the Holy Spirit led Paul to write, you know, we don't have that. Because I, I feel like, if, look, if, if we had, you know, David's Psalm 23, you know, I think we would probably worship that object. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, folks, don't, don't, don't panic. We absolutely have the original content of the original copy. Amen. You know, the, the papyrus and the manuscripts in the arid east probably oxidized. And God, in his power and providence, thousands and thousands and thousands of copies were made. So while we may not have the original copy, we absolutely have the original content of the original copy. All right. So from that one, we're going to go ahead and springboard on to the next question. And Alex, you touched on this just a little in your answer about translations. And that's why I think it's a natural fit here. How can we know the Bible is really God's word? Great question. I believe we know the Bible is the word of God. I'll give a short answer and a a little bit longer of an answer. Number one, because Jesus said so when he was raised from the dead. I, I mean, think about this. Uh, John ten thirty five. the scripture cannot be broken. Matthew 24, 35, over and over, Jesus affirmed the, the authenticity and the authority of scripture. And he rose from the dead. So, I mean, a PhD in a classroom might have all sorts of degrees and accolades, but the only man that ever was able to rise from the dead affirmed the authenticity of Scripture. But but the other thing I would say, and, and I write about this extensively in uh, a number of my books, but look, we've got the Bible's amazing unity, the Bible's amazing indestructibility, the Bible's amazing historical accuracy, scientific accuracy, prophetic accuracy, the Bible's amazing worldwide influence, the Bible's life-changing power, the Bible's amazing circulation. I mean, you take all of these things together, fulfill prophecy, clearly uh, the power of God upon the Bible to change lives and change history. I think all of these things cumulatively together, it's a powerful case for the fact that this is not merely words on paper. This is God's book. Mm-hmm. Let me, I think, I know I did. Now, you guys may not have, and I've, I've, I think I've heard Alex say he has not doubted at, at all. Uh, I remember going to school. I was going to school at Blue Mountain College, and I had a night class. I was coming home one night, and I just saying, how in the world can we know that the Bible 
is the Word of God. I was taking a Bible course, and it wasn't because of my professors. It was just, how can we know? I asked that question, how can I know that the Bible is real, that mm-hmm. it's accurate? And then when I started looking at it, I mean, how many years, 2,000 years, how many authors, uh, how many different books? And Alex has already hinted to it, the unity of this. And even back then, Alex and Jim, I was an Andy Griffith show fan, and I'd already seen and observed how many inaccuracies they were in this seven-year, eight-year run uh, you know, uh, storyline and how many Barney would have a car. He didn't have a car. Barney could sing. He could not sing. Don't even agree on his middle initial or what his middle name is. And I saw how many inaccuracies there are on this excellent television. Mm-hmm. And the Bible, having so many authors over thousands of years, and yet there's agreement in it, it brought iron to my blood. And then the other one was the prophecies of it. I heard a guy say this, and he was an Old Testament uh, scholar. He said, far as I can tell, I've counted 360-some-odd numbers concerning the prophecies of Jesus Christ that were talked about in the Old Testament. And all of those that have to do with his birth, his life, his death, and the resurrection, guess how many of those prophecies have come to be years later? Every one of them. They didn't Mm, miss a one, Alex. That put iron back in my blood that this word is accurate. You You can bank on it. It is the word of God. Now, that did it for me. Let me give an illustration in, in this, and this is one area, you know, I've, I will say I've been blessed. I did an English degree, and it was in the middle of my undergrad that I got saved. And I, I mean, I had read a lot of literature. And, and what I'm about to say is just kind of, I suppose, a subjective observation. But one of the reasons I've never, never doubted the Bible, I mean, I really haven't. I give God the glory. It's, it's nothing on my part. It's just... I've never, ever, ever doubted that the Bible is the Word of God, um, and I praise God, but it's so different than any other literature. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of the great authors in history, but I'm telling you, the Bible is different. Here's my illustration, guys, and I'd love your response. Outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, my, the capital of North Carolina, uh, there's, a, there's a store I've been in that they they teach how to make things with art glass, like you could make stained glass stuff. Now, you go in this store, and on tables, there's pieces of cracked up glass, blue, red, and then there's people that have made like a little 12-inch by 12-inch butterfly. But at the back on the wall is about a 15-foot tall stained glass window from a European cathedral. That stained glass window is different than all the little cracked up glass. That's how the Bible is. It stands so tall and so different than everything else. Stay tuned. Exploring the Word is back with more questions after this brief break. And the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep. It makes my resistance seem so thin. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We were talking about Bible translations and and how we can know uh, the Bible is really God's Word in last in the last segment. And so I want to give you a couple of resources for that. One you can find at alexmcfarland.com. 
alexmcfarland.com. Uh, you can find several books there, but one I would recommend is Stand, Core Truths You Must Know for an Unshakable Faith. And knowing that the Bible is God's Word would be one of those. So again, that's at alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. And then I want to tell you about another book, and this one is one that I think both Alex and Bert would agree with, so I'm not going off into left field somewhere. But if you're wondering <clears throat> about, you know, Bert, you said you question uh, knowing that the Word was the Word in the beginning. I would invite you to read The Case for Christ Amen. by Lee Strobel. Got it. Now, <laughs> you want to talk about going back to basics and someone who was an atheist finding Christ because when he when he started he was looking to disprove the Bible and looking to disprove Jesus as the Messiah and instead he wound up proving to himself that Jesus is the Messiah and that the word of God is true so I would invite you and if, if, if you're looking to uh, some good biblical foundations stand from Alex McFarland at alexmcfarland.com are the case from Christ from Lee Strobel available at most bookstores uh, anywhere. I agree with you fully, and uh, Alex is an excellent author. Uh, I, I just want to share that with you, and uh, he 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 is a blessed mm-hmm. author to have on on the AFR network, and uh, you God can you can really go there. Well, Jim, uh, this is. Exploring the Word. And, Did I and, miss it still? Yeah, and it's Friday. That means that we're not taking phone calls in right. this segment. And uh, Jim, is we, we try to get words, uh, our questions from Word and Facebook and different places and questions that come in to Alex, and we formulate them, and some of them are very similar, like you did the last one, mm-hmm. you know, what translation would you use, and and then what would you recommend for a 15-year-old? So many right. times we combine those questions, because a lot of times people are asking the same questions, so that's why uh, we're on today and that's not taking right. phone calls. That's right. And so, by the way, let me give you one other resource uh, for Alex, and it's at alexmcfarland.com. And that's 21 questions your kids will ask you about Christianity. And so that's a great study guide as well. Now, see, Alex won't do that. He, you know, we have a a good friend of the ministry, Bill Federer. And Bill usually starts an answer to any question with, in my book, book. (laughs) so-and-so. But Alex doesn't do that. And I love Alex. He's a great guy. And, uh, folks, his resources are available, and I would encourage you to support him because Alex is, is is, as Bert said, a great author, a brilliant man. But he simply, in in all humility, he is basically an itinerant preacher, if you will, because he does evangelism all across the country, and he does some other things as well. Uh, But Alex, you focus on the Word of God and the apologetics uh, and the ministry to young people because you want to see them grow in Christ. I do. And, and, you know, I love to travel and I love to teach uh, churches how to share the gospel, defend the faith. And I love to represent FA. You know, I, I do a lot of traveling and, uh, you know, it's such a blessing whenever I'll go to a church and people come up and oftentimes very tearfully, emotionally, they talk about how American Family Radio has changed their life or they've either come to Christ or maybe come back to Christ 
through this radio. And so I, I really count it one of the great privileges of my life to be you know, 20, 25 states a year now for a decade. And mm, uh, Except 2020. So, Right. Well, 2020 was different, you know. Yeah, that, you know, it, it changed yeah. a lot of things. But anyway, I'm glad. But I do want to say this. Go to Alex, and he's back on the road more because things are opening up. And sure, uh, sure. He, he would be great in your church. He really would. Uh, he and I have gone together. When we go together, the energy oh, kind of steps fun. up a little bit, guys. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, do that. Uh, Alex will bless your life, and he will bless your church. And one last thing. And I'll let it go because I know we're probably embarrassing Alex, and that's okay. He's not here. He, <laughs> can't, right here. <laughs> he can't throat punch me. So, <laughs> um, but let me remind you, a workman is worthy of his hire. And so when you ask Alex to come to your church, he tries to make it as budget-friendly as possible. And he will travel at the drop of the hat and has a hat he's willing to drop. But um, please remember... A workman is worthy of his hire. You may hear him on the radio. You may see him on Fox News. You may see this different these different things. But basically, he really does. Um, his sustenance comes from love offerings. It does. Let me throw in one more word, then we get to the question. Angie is begging for you to call him. He's That's been at home more than he's ever been <laughs> exactly, in any year of their marriage. Exactly. And she's saying, when are you going to get back on the work? I'm joking about that. But uh, Alex, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for you, All right, brother. here we go. So as we continue with our questions this afternoon, and they've come from Facebook, the uh, Exploring the Word Facebook page, and also from the email word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net. And guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a different one out there than one of the ones I had highlighted uh, when I talked about what we were going to do. And this one is going to be... And it's it. I talked to you. I talked to Bert about it yesterday because he was there when when it came in. And um, what would compel a person to worship a hunk of metal or rock? So I will let whichever one of you want to go first this time. Bert, I think you're up. What would compel a person to worship a hunk of metal? Or rock. I, I want to do this the way Alex does, a short answer and then a little longer answer. And, and I, I'm not, I'm trying to be as honest, but it's very forthright. It has to be some ignorance involved, you know, honestly. And I know that sounds harsh and, and tough. It doesn't make it any less true, it, but it is. Yeah. Well, you know me, I can be that way. It is just, I, the the. let me give a biblical example. This is, I think, one of the funniest things that happens in the Bible, guys, let me say uh, the Israelites are thinking they're going to get beat with the enemy. And so they decided to treat the Ark of the Covenant like a rabbit foot. And they go get it and bring it out to the field and they're defeated. And then the enemy takes those uh, that Ark and they're going to offer it to their god, Dagon, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, they go in after uh, one night. They come in, and Dagon, their stone god, has fallen off his pedestal. So they take—now listen to this. They take their god and prop him back up, you know? <laughs> isn't, isn't this right, Alex? This is the it story, is. isn't it? And they, it, it well, they give him another night, and guess what? Same thing. Finally, the god starts to break in, and they're trying to—and I'm— 
I'm just amplifying it here. They're trying to glue him back together, you know, and put him back on his pedestal. Finally, they said, we got to get rid of this Ark of the Covenant. So they get it out of there, and they figure out how to do it. That's how foolish worshiping a metal mm. or, or a stone would be. Alex, go exactly. ahead. Well, and, you know, uh, people that are expert on missions, missiologists, Talk about a a belief system called animism, where an inanimate object they think has power. And so to the question, why would people, you know, worship a hunk of metal or a piece of wood? Um, I honestly believe in a spiritual sense, there's this demonic delusion that objects have power. And sometimes it's called like a talisman or a fetish or a charm. But, you know, I've met people that were very, very, very superstitious and think that, this or that object has power. And so, you know, I would just encourage people in the name of Jesus, stand against any of that, because listen, um, the creation is different than the creator. And Mm. when when you come to Jesus, you have a, a relationship with the creator. Now, Satan wants to get your eyes off God and onto lower things the created order. Um, And that's one of the the beautiful things about being a born-again believer. You're liberated. We're not afraid of spirits in the trees. We're not afraid of crystals or any objects. We know the true and living God who made the, the created world. And so, you know, don't settle for anything less than the true and living God. Amen. And, you know, that's one thing we've talked about before is that, the inanimate object of the cross can even become an idol because mm-hmm. people worship the created more than the creator. Yeah. And so we have to be careful about that. Um, I think, and I, and I shared this with Bert, but I think one of the reasons that we look for something to worship is because that's what we were created to do. We were created to be people of worship to the most high God. And instead, sometimes we just simply look for something greater than ourselves. Technology is a great example of that mm. because you have, we have gotten to the point that um, we can find the quote-unquote answer to any question online. Unfortunately, it may not be the scriptural answer. And so we, we have to be careful, but we, we can worship technology. Some people worship money. You know, they, they, that's what they want above everything else in this world. They want money. And unfortunately, they go away like the rich, the rich young ruler who had to depart because he had many things. And so I think that's one of the reasons that people, because we are created to worship. Amen. But, Amen, Jim. I, I want to bring you back to one of your favorite subjects, and that's the golden calf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that truthfully. Jim, uh, he... You know, we'll start talking, and, and he just—and I have it, too. After they'd seen the hand of God in Egypt delivering them, after they stood at the sea and the Egyptian army coming down on them to destroy them, mm-hmm. and they saw the hand, the fire of God to hold them back and him part the waters, and they will—you know, going into the wilderness, uh, and, and Moses is up on the mountain communing with God— and they're down there, and they make, quote, a molding calf, a right. molding calf. Uh, I think that shows you, yes, man was made to worship, but how there's an old hymn, 
prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Amen. Prone Amen. to leave the one I love. We mm. we you cannot stay still in your Christian life. You you you're going against the tide, so you have to row upstream to even yes. stay where you yes. are. If you th- settle for where you are, you will go downstream right. quickly. And that's true with a person in his mentality and his thinking as well. We were made to worship, but we were also made to grow. Amen. We we're made to go on. And uh, when man doesn't do that, guess what? They succumb to stone and iron and images on their own mind. And we surround ourselves with that, you know, a lot of times. Um, and people can worship their house. You know, and you think about it, you lock the doors at night so you can lock yourself inside and lock the enemy out. But it's one of those things that you've got to be careful. And so, uh, Alex, if, if you have some closing thoughts on that, let me throw it back to you. Well, regarding being born again and then growing and worshiping, C.S. Lewis said, you know, we're like an egg. You can't stay an egg forever. You must be hatched or go bad. Hmm. And everybody will have some ultimate in life. Hopefully it's the Savior, Jesus, who gives it eternal life. But even the person who thinks that they're not religious, quote-unquote, they, they do have some ultimate highest thing they've attached themselves to. Sadly, the only thing, though, that can bless you in this life and give you eternity in the next, that's Jesus. Amen. Well, folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio, and we're answering your questions today from the Bible. Uh, And so as we do that, there are no phone calls today because we're recording this and so so that we can play it uh, at a future date. And that keeps us out of trouble with the FCC as long as we make sure you know that. Now, that, that doesn't make it any less interesting because I'm telling you, these guys that I'm working with, they're smart. And they can give some great answers. Now, this one may not seem like that deep of a question, but it's something that's always there. And people ask because we're, it's not clarified in Scripture. There is, a, there is a slight identifier. But what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Alex? Or no, oh, Alex goes first on this one. I want to hear. I've been waiting on this, and I want to hear it from. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. You know, it's interesting. I don't think we definitively know, and maybe that's a little bit by design because we all can sort of relate to it. We know that God said, though, my grace is sufficient for thee. It might have been poor eyesight, but look, whatever you, the cross you bear, the thorn in the flesh, God's grace is sufficient. Amen. God's grace sufficiency is real for Paul. And it's also sufficient for us today. My grace is sufficient to save you, to keep you, and to use you. It's grace. Amen. Amen. This has been a special edition of Fire Away Friday here on American Family Radio's Exploring the Word. We thank you for joining us. Be sure and check out our podcast at AFR.net. But especially make much of Jesus to someone this weekend. God bless. God bless.